Air Live, I'm Graham Lynch. It was an enormous news week for telecoms, but this episode will focus on just two of the biggest stories, the 5G spectrum auctions and the new pricing strategies announced by MBNCO. First up, Spectrum. The Australian Communications and Media Authority announced the results of the auctions of a whopping 2.4 gigahertz of Spectrum in the millimetre wave band, that's at 26 gigahertz. Telstra won about 1 gigahertz of it, which will use to deploy what some people consider to be the true 5G because of its uh, higher placement of the spectrum band and the higher capacities and speeds that are possible with it. I spoke with the CEO of Andy Penn just hours after the results were announced and asked him first up if he was satisfied with the spectrum that Telstra had won. No, we, we absolutely got what we wanted, thanks, Graham. Um, and uh, the competition limits had been set at a gigahertz per operator. Um, and so we couldn't have gone beyond that anyway, but we felt that that was the appropriate competition limit and we were really pleased to be able to get um, our gigahertz at the um, at a price which we think um, you know we're pretty happy with. Okay, now how important is this for Telstra? Because for the first time, you've now got a situation where a customer in any locality can access perhaps 12, 15 gigabits of speed. Well, I think it's a major inflection point, you know, just for for everybody, certainly for Telstra, but certainly for the industry and for customers, because, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about 5G, and I think customers are still sort of getting their head around, well, what's, you know, what's going to be the, the, the transformational experience? And, and one of the things, uh, this is the first time a mobile telecommunications technology has used um, high band spectrum in this way. And so this is where the real breakthrough on 5G is going to come to life. Now, um, of course, one of the things that goes with the, the higher spectrum frequencies is that the actual um, radius of the coverage is much diminished. Yes. Um, and that has implications on infrastructure cost. Uh, you, know, you need to simply put in more base stations to cover the same area areas compared to 3G and 4G. What are the implications of that for Telstra going forward in the next few years? Yeah, so um, yeah, absolutely spot on, Graham. So uh, the higher the spectrum band, the shorter the propagation. Um, but if you sort of think about this from a network design perspective, what that means is that we've got really good coverage, obviously, in the Telstra macro, with Telstra macro towers, so tall towers. And what we can do is then we can put in small cells at a lower height um, inside that macro coverage to really just boost the overall capacity and and to complement the macro coverage. So that's pretty cool. And the price of small cells is coming down, you know, pretty markedly. So putting in a, whilst you're right, you've got to put in more um, cells, that's a very different proposition than, than more big macro towers. And so, you know, we think there's a really good harmony between um, building that out in the sort of um, the network design. And, that, and that's absolutely what our... Plan design is okay. Does this um, create an opportunity for suppliers to, to come into the Telstra ecosystem, or have you have you got all your vendors locked in for millimeter wave? Um, oh, look, we're all, always sort of um, open um, to you know test what what sort of new innovations and suppliers are bringing forward to us. But we've also had a really good long term strategic relationship with with Ericsson. It's probably not fair for me to say. Uh, any more than that but you know we continue to look at innovations in the telecommunications technology space because it's just so important. 
Now, now the, the um, I guess the, these days it's the $54 billion question <laughs> regarding MVN. Um, the other two major operators, uh, Optus and TPG, have indicated they'll be using this spectrum to create products that are direct substitutes for MVN in the home. Um, and, and Optus, of course, already has a product in that regard. Millimeter Wave will take that further. Um, what are Telstra's intentions in this regard? Yeah, it's never been my focus to directly replace the NBN. That's absolutely not our strategy. My strategy has always been to provide our customers with the best technical solutions and the best experience um, for the right commercial price for them. And so there's no doubt that in some circumstances, um, given the NBN technology that a customer may be on, that 5G-supported fixed wireless broadband will be a very, very attractive alternative and, a, you know, and potentially a, a technologically better alternative. And if we can deliver that at a comparable sort of commercial rate or a reasonable commercial rate, well, then that's absolutely what we'll do. However, there are other situations where, you know, customers are happily on MBN fiber to the home or an HFC service, which is working well, um, where there isn't really a need to do this. And so, so I see this as a complement to the existing fixed broadband services available in Australia. And so our strategy is to really be very thoughtful about what's the right technology and the best solution for the customer. Our strategy is not, you know, we're, we're not on a mission to replace the NBN. That's absolutely not the case. Do you think 5G will create new revenue streams for Telstra? Uh, um, and a related question to that, can it increase ARPUs on existing mobile customers? Well, I certainly think it. Um, yes, yes, I do, and, and it, it already is increasing ARPUs um, because we're finding that more customers want to go to five G devices and have a five G uh, experience, and, and they're willing to pay more uh, as a consequence. So we're seeing that, and we, we've our TMMC, which is basically our lead number for ARPU, is up a couple of dollars year on year. So that that really proves that point out. And then, of course, there's the specific use cases. Um, incrementally in the enterprise space. And I think we're going to see more corporates and enterprises thinking about private 5G networks. I mean, mining's a really good example. You know, if you want to automate a mine and you want to connect a lot of um, the mining equipment and the mining environment through sensors, you can build in a private network, 5G private network with edge compute, so localised computing capability as well, using, you know, millimetre bandwave spectrum, enormous capacity, you know, highly, highly sort of effective set of technologies to enable miners to to automate their processes. And, you know, in fact, you could think of that analogously in um, manufacturing plants, um, industrial estates, you know, lots and lots of uh, use cases. Um, financial services are doing a bit of work with CPA, looking at pop-up, pop-up branches, that type of idea. And the beauty of 5G, of course, is it's all wireless. Mm. So there's not a lot of infrastructure connection that you've got to build out. Uh, what's the timing between you've, you've won the spectrum today in terms of bringing actual infrastructure to market? What, what kind of uh, time frame are we looking at? Oh, well, you know, we've been, it's been our aspiration to be at the forefront of um, rolling out 5G. We, we've got nearly uh, two thirds of the population covered already. We'll be at 75%, and we will be starting now to build out capacity using millimetre band. Of course, the other piece, Graham, as you know, is um, 
customer's ability to access it will be depend on device availability. And so we're working with the um, OEMs on, you know, when we can get um, devices into market that have got millimetre band wave um, antennas in them as well. And I expect that to, you know, progressively start rolling out over the next 12 months. So, yeah, we'll be just pushing it as hard as we can. Terrific. Thank you very much, Andy. Cheers, Grant. All the best. And just for the record, uh, Telstra spent $277 million for their millimetre wave spectrum, which Ian Martin, the analyst, uh, feels was at the higher end of international prices. Um, other winners in the auction were Optus, who spent uh, $226 million. Vodafone and TPG, through their vehicle Mobile JV Proprietary Limited, who spent $108 million. Um, Densair, who, who won some lots in Sydney and Melbourne. And Pentanet who won some Spectrum in Perth. Now, to talk all about these exciting winners of Spectrum, Simon Ducks, the Chief Editor of Comms Day. Welcome, Simon. Hello there, Graham. So um, let's start off with Pentanet. Um, They were the minnow winner of the five in the Spectrum auction. They won four lots in Perth in Western Australia and only spent $8 million or so on the Spectrum. But um, not many people know about them or about their ambitions. So you've, I understand you've just spoken with uh, their CEO and you, you have the lowdown on what they're up to. That's right, Graham. I just uh, interviewed uh, Stephen Cornish and uh, really interesting company because of the fact that uh, although they have a, a heritage in uh, fixed wireless, uh, they're actually now planning on winning uh, this particular 5G uh, spectrum to actually position themselves as a tier one operator in Perth. They think that they're going to have uh, anything that a tier one operator can provide in the Perth region, they'll be able to do that. And the reason they're suggesting that is that this extra spectrum that they've actually managed to buy uh, essentially allows them to really boost their network backhaul capabilities. Uh, they've got a bunch of towers, I think it's uh, just over 40 or so in the Perth region, and uh, currently they're using a very high speed but low range technology called uh, Terragraph, which is, uh, came out of Facebook connectivity. Uh, they're working with a uh, vendor Cambium uh, on their particular Terragraph uh, solution. And uh, the interesting thing is that uh, this technology, while being high speed, you're only looking at about 250 meters from the towers. So now they've managed to get this uh, spectrum, which is going to allow them to actually build out their network up to five kilometers from each of their towers. So, you know, it's it's quite a big push for them. And uh, it was funny talking uh, uh, to Stephen because they are literally a... a um, company that's been founded by gamers so he was giving me a little bit of insight on how they actually uh attacked the uh auction or you could uh, pardon the pun but how they gamed the auction to be honest and uh it really uh funny because he was suggesting the fact that the experience of going through the acma's convoluted multi-stage multi-variance uh uh process from their point of view, it was very much like playing Civilization VI. So uh, on the back of that, uh, they had the right sort of people in there. And uh, he does point out that they managed to get their particular uh, pieces, 200 megahertz of the 5G, uh, at about half the price of what the other telcos uh, were paying for. So, you know, uh, maybe there's something to be said about uh, having that gaming experience. 
Indeed, that's actually very, very funny, and um, good, good on them. <laughs> I think that's terrific. Um, now, moving on, um, it was only a matter of days after the, the auction results, so we, we we heard about the the next Spectrum auction, which is in the eight fifty and nine hundred megahertz band, which is planned for later this year, probably November. Um, we've got a whole lot of detail about um, how that's going to be constructed. Yeah, sure. And uh, this one is a, a pretty important one because of the fact that, uh, as you know, the lower mid-band spectrum is really useful for getting inside buildings. Uh, and, uh, you know, on that side of things, it makes it quite an important spectrum. We know that in the sub-gig uh uh, range that Telstra already has uh, quite a lot of spectrum and so uh, for a number of months leading up to uh, this announcement uh, we had uh, both TPG and Optus uh, making sure that the ACCC understood that essentially uh, Telstra was uh, a bit over abundant with its uh, spectrum in this area so uh, they put in a bunch of submissions essentially suggesting there should be limits placed on this and it turns out that the ACCC that's in fact what they recommended to the minister so the Department of Comms kicked off the process for the auction uh, as you mentioned it should be in November and um, they are also as part of it um, they're going to set aside 10 megahertz uh, each for Optus and TP uh, and uh, the key uh, rule that they're bringing in here is that operators are going to be uh, restricted from holding more than 40% of all spectrum in the sub 1 gig uh, band. That comes to 80 megahertz uh, thereabouts. And, um, you know, as you can see immediately, uh, Telstra already has 60 megahertz in metro and 70 megahertz in regions. So, you know, they're going to be constrained a little bit by this. But uh, when the ACCC was looking at it, they really uh, were able to highlight the fact that uh, if you look at their uh, various holdings, Optus was well behind the others, uh, essentially. Um, I think uh, Telstra was 46% of all sub 1 gig spectrum currently available for mobile use in metropolitan areas and 54% in regional areas. TPG was at 38 metro, 31 regional, and Optus only had 15% in metropolitan and regional. So you could see they had to do something about trying to actually ensure that uh, Optus is able to compete effectively uh, within uh, 5G as, as it develops. Uh, the other thing with that too uh, is the fact that although Telstra has been relying on 700 megahertz uh, for some of its uh, legacy Gs, if you like, uh, the uh, Optus and uh, TPG do have um, uh, 3 and 4G on 900 meg. So there was a service continuity issue, which is uh, why uh, it's been recommended by the department that uh, there should be some spectrum set aside for those guys as well so uh, if we're uh, looking at it uh, the thing that we saw was that uh, Telstra didn't create too much noise on the back of this because they already I have a feeling knew that they weren't going to be successful in uh, what their particular proposals were um, which was to stop any sort of guaranteed um, uh, bans and so on. But the thing with Telstra is that they've already been um, completed tested 5G on its 850 megahertz uh, low band spectrum and they're going to progressively repurpose the spectrum for 5G um, as 3G declines and obviously you do that station by station. And um, the carriers also are readying 700 megahertz spectrum 
uh, to add to its low band 5G. So the next steps uh, the, for the Department of Comms consultation is going to close on the 21st of May. Uh, at the same time, the ACMA uh, launched a consultation on the draft allocation instruments, which essentially uh, divvied up the spectrum ranges uh, that will be on offer. Uh, the spectrum is going to be divided into five megahertz lots. Uh, TPG and Optus, as uh, we mentioned, guaranteed access to the uppermost lots. And the uh, way that uh, the ACMA is indicating is that there's going to be an 850 megahertz expansion band metropolitan areas, an 850 megahertz expansion band regional areas, and a 900 megahertz band for national areas. So there will be three products on offer, and the ACMA draft instruments consultation closes on the 24th of May. Okay, thanks for that very excellent wrap-up, Simon. Um, there's a couple of interesting things that I think I suspect will get thrown up in the consultation stage for this exposure draft um, regarding the 900 megahertz auction. First up, um, it's Optus that's disadvantaged in Spectrum, but not TPG, but they're both being offered access to it. The reasoning is sound. The minister doesn't want to be seen to be favouring just one operator, but um, TPG... um, has more spectrum per customer than either of the other two operators. So there's an interesting question as to whether they deserve kind of special treatment here. And and the uh, related argument there, which Telstra has is, well, we need more spectrum because we have more customers and, and uh, the, the good citizens of Australia have voted with their wallets to be with us. So why, why should our competition get a leg up? So it's going to be interesting to see some of those... Um, uh, some of the feedback to that consultation and I suspect it may echo some of the sentiments that I just shared. Thank you once again, Simon. Now, moving on. The NBN announced the latest stage in its ongoing pricing review this week. The context, of course, is that a lot of RSPs are very unhappy with NBN's practice of charging for both access and capacity. NBN tried to do something about these concerns this week, proposing a 7% so-called soft cap on its RSP charging designed to blunt the cost of demand surges, and also a big increase in capacity inclusions, albeit only on the highest speed plans. I asked NBN COO Brad Wickham and EGM commercial Ken Wallace to talk comms day live through it, starting with Brad. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start with that, Graham, and kind of give the, the general overview, and then Ken can kind of talk through the specifics. But essentially, we're trying to build on the success that we've had both through the pricing consultation of 2017 and also the 2019 consultation, which is trying to put more and more value into the offering that we're given to RSPs. Um, and we look at that value a couple of ways. One is what's the sort of the real cost of CBC, which we've dropped um, significantly over that time period. And the other is what's the, you know, the real cost per gigabit in the busy hour. And that's something that we've been able to drive down, cut more, in, more than half since, uh, since 2016. And so we're really looking to continue that trend. We have seen strong appetite for um, higher speed tiers, in particular through our focus on fast campaign. We're now sitting at about um, 8% of our total base is on um, the, the, the various fast speeds, the 250 and above. 
Um, but as you know, we've got about 70% of the base that's sitting on the, the 50 and above. So the trend in the market is in that direction. We think that's an opportunity for retailers to continue to move that base up. And therefore, we wanted to make those particularly attractive. But Ken, I may add to you for some detail. Yeah, I think that really captures it. Um, you know, as Brad said, you know, the focus on fast is performing well. We have seen the RSPs moving um, and working with their customers up onto high speed tiers. And really, these changes just come in behind it on the super fast and ultra fast services. So that's really the, the key thinking um, behind it. Yeah, so I think I think the 250, 100 and the, the 500, 200, 1,400, you know, those three business speeds with the higher upload speeds clearly haven't been um, taken up that much in the past and that was something that we called out in the first paper. Uh, you know, as part of that, we talked about, you know, repositioning them, strengthening the proposition for them, making them more attractive for RSPs to sell to small and medium businesses uh, we got quite a positive, um, you know, got quite positive feedback on how we were thinking about positioning them in the first paper, and that really gave us the confidence to think that for the 250-100 in particular, the scope to bring forward those inclusions and, and work with the RSPs to make it a more attractive small and medium business offer. Yeah, and I think the other thing I'd add to, to that, Graham, is we believe that that SMB market is one that's been historically underserved by the industry. And so we really see an opportunity to lead in there and support retailers with with great value in that, and in particular the 250-100. Now, as mentioned, NBNCO also wants to apply a 7% uh, growth cap on the charges it levies on RSPs. And also, it plans to involve the ACCC in future discussions about all these new pricing initiatives. Again, I asked Brad and Ken to talk us through it. Yeah, so again, maybe we'll tag team on this one. I think, generally speaking, one of the questions that we we asked of, of RSPs was how they saw usage growth in the future. And there were some widely disparate views on that, which, which is not unsurprising. They're coming from different bases. They've got um, different expectations around customer usage behavior. We've also had retailers, you know, attempt to model out sort of a, you know, in a, in, a, in a very, very aggressive growth scenario, what could then happen to their costs? Um, and we, we frankly don't see anything like that on the horizon at this stage, but recognizing we're all, we're all trying to look into the crystal ball. So we wanted to provide, you know, basically a, a safety net, if you will, um, some sort of assurance to uh, retailers that have a view of very, very rapid growth that their costs will be contained. So that, that was the, the, the guiding principle. We wanted to make it very easy. Um, you know, this is, this is somewhere between a, you know, a, a low and no effort um, offer that we're consulting on um, where you simply you hit the threshold and the cap comes into effect. So it's unlike something like a focus on fast, which is a, you know, a campaign and there's participation, et cetera. This would just be the way we would we would run the the offer to the to the retailers. But Ken, you might talk about the the particular threshold and the mm. yeah. And I think well, I think the other part of it is it provides that safety net, as Brad said. But it also means that for RSPs that do get to that point, um, the CBC management issue drops away, and that was another piece of feedback that the RSPs had provided us. So. 
it, it provides that double benefit of both giving them um, some more certainty but also helping them potentially with their CBC management um, as well at that point. Um, and then in terms of, you know, as Brad said, you know, we did get a range of views about usage, um, including views that went to how unpredictable it is to um, determine or forecast what usage might be in the future. This puts that natural uh, cap on that um, and takes that or diminishes that risk for them. And the other, you know, we saw this as really, as we're thinking about more of the long term, we can come on to that, that this, this provides a, I think a nice bridge over for, you know, retailers that are um, anxious to move to more of a longer term solution that we've got this protection in place while we continue those discussions. Well, I think more broadly, and we were, we were clear with the retailers and and the reason we broke this consultation into two parts is any long term fundamental change to our pricing has got to um, be done in conjunction with the ACCC. So, um, therefore, we, you know, we, we, we had flagged a timeline that was, you know, one to two years it would take to, to run through this process. Um, a number of retailers, you know, expressed the desire to accelerate that process if we could. Um, what we had intended was to solicit the best and brightest ideas from the industry as the second part of this consultation, that would then give us um, the ability then to go to the ACCC and say, this is what we're thinking. Um, We believe we can actually abbreviate that process by engaging with the ACCC sooner. So the intent would be that we would put out a discussion paper um, in May, and then we would have a multi-party um, forum, which would include the NBN, the ACCC, retailers, and other interested stakeholders, and we think we could come to a, a resolution much quicker um, than we would have if we'd let the existing consultation run and sort of done it. Okay, uh, now we're joined by Rowan Pierce, the executive editor of Comms Day. How are you, Rowan? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, we've heard NBN's take. What did the RSP say in reaction? Yeah, that was, that was quite interesting stuff in that interview, actually, just then. I think, um, I, I think, obviously, it's fair to say that the RSPs are probably pissed, is how I was put it. It's like, I mean, we, we, we did print some of their reactions, but there were reactions that we couldn't really print. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, I, I think it's interesting just coming off that interview with NBN because they, they present this as a way, well, this is going to um, actually reduce some of their management overhead of um, CVC. Whereas the RSPs, the reactions seem to be, it's actually, this is just making it even more complicated. And this is going to be like, you know, another and ongoing challenge for the kind of CVC whisperers inside the RSPs. Um, I think, yeah, so one, one common theme that came out from RSPs reaction was definitely that it was complicated. The other was just that it's still, it's still, you've still got CVC there, that um, kind of capacity, very real capacity based pricing. Um, and there were kind of questions raised about whether this is kind of, entrenching it for the longer term although you kind of listen to some of the stuff that brad said then and it's like well he's he made a lot of references to longer term kind of pricing stuff in consultation with the ACCC, which it kind of um i guess might be a, a ray of hope for rsps particularly because the issue that nbn has now really is that the the current sau they've got does kind of limit what they can actually do in terms of like totally rewriting their pricing constructs um but yeah so 
getting back to the RSP's reaction, um, like, you know, Trent Zinner from TPG said that um, it just adds more complexity, further entrenches the CVC. Um, similar, similar comments from Telstra. Andrew Sheridan from Optus was particularly, particularly fiery. I mean, his whole thing was that, you know, RSPs are having their time wasted because from their perspective, they keep coming back and saying that CVC is an issue and NBN keeps on maintaining CVC. So I think, um, I, I think to, to quote and, Andrew Sheridan from Comms Day, we had almost unanimously retail service providers called on MEM to provide a fixed price option and advised that short-term options are not fit for purpose for consumers, RSPs, or even the NBN. NBN has ignored us and ignored the users of the NBN. I think uh, Anthony De Jong from um, CEO of Vocus's uh, retail arm, also quite fiery, said, not surprisingly, NBN's commercial muscle is working hard while their listening to customers' muscle remains underdeveloped. So th- these are kind of like pretty, pretty harsh comments. I think, um, I guess, uh, again then, uh, like, and actually the, the other issue along with the complexity is the kind of one of the conditions attached, which is, you know, uh, uh, RSPs get this soft cap, providing that their churn remains within a certain level, which I think some of the RSPs are looking at and see this as kind of this anti-competitive thing where it's, it, it looks to them like a measure from NBN to stop, you know, uh, rapid turn to 5g or rapid turn to their own kind of um own kind of fiber that kind of thing so i think that's that's also caused a lot of concern okay thanks very much for that take rowan cheers okay now a final point as rowan just mentioned then nbn co says it's going to hand off future pricing consultations to the amateur of the accc the accc hailed this as returning the regulator to what it sees as its rightful place at the helm of regulating nbn prices but the ACCC actually held two inquiries into NBN pricing last year in the context of the new wholesale broadband agreement between NBN and its RSPs. The end result of these inquiries, it pretty much weighed through everything. All the, all the, the proposals, plans and pricing which forms the basis of the current regime. Furthermore, the instruction from the government to the ACCC is to use a specific cost formula called the building block approach to calculating what NBN prices should be. This is the same formula which brought you the hellish dystopia that is the Australian electricity market. To all those RSPs wanting ACCC direction over the NBN, be careful what you wish for. That's it for Comms Day Live this week. See you next time.